episode 312, Cloak and Dagger, season 2, episode 10, Level Up. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. Uh, this is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we've been talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a while, and it's time to switch gears back to Cloak and Dagger for one episode <laughs> to finish up season two of Cloak and Dagger. It's been a while, uh, but I am here because it's a final episode. This is something we really – a final episode of a season, I should say. This is something we really want to try and bring in. Uh, all the hosts for. And so, yes, you heard maybe the slight little laugh of uh, Samantha and Stuart. Hello. Hello. Welcome, lady and gentlemen. How are you today? Great. Fantastic. We are here to talk about Cloak and Dagger, the final episode of season two. Mm -hmm. And this is called Level Up, and it has been a while. Uh, we put this on the back burner because agents of shield came first yeah that took priority anyway we uh it's been a long time cup we're back we're back and we'll talk about the future uh in the future and by in the future i mean at the end of this podcast we'll talk about the future and how we're going to cover things after this but yeah this is episode 10 of cloak and dagger season two it was called level up and this is the final battle with andre uh, this is the battle this is the final um, confrontation. Uh, the whole season has been building up to this moment. And as I was re-reviewing this episode, I was noticing that they actually did a pretty good job of giving everybody something to do in this episode. Yeah. And yeah. this is this is the way you do it. You know, you, you got your characters, you set them all up, and then you give them something to do. And you know you don't have a great character on your hands when that character has nothing, nothing to do. But would would you call this the the end game of Cloak and Dagger? Well, it's funny that you should call it that <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I mean, it brings them all together, but it also begins with what could have been the snap. I was as I was watching this the first time in my notes, I had to re I went through my notes. I actually still had my notes for this episode and I just for the cold open, I put too bad. This could have been the snap. And it wasn't, but it was uh, a trumpet that was causing people to <laughs> disappear, <laughs> not a glove <laughs> with jewels on it. But yeah, let's not give the trumpet the infinity stones. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that trumpet. I don't know. Should we talk about it now or should we wait until later when it's been used more in our well, well I mean, let's just well, do it now. I was just, okay. Okay, I was gonna okay. say, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go through synopsis, or do you want to just bring up a few points and then move? I was thinking we just go through the synopsis, but all right. Uh, this whole thing is based on this trumpet, though. Like this whole cold, cold open. You've got uh, take. Is it take on me or take me on? What's the take name? Take on. Well, they say both me. of them. Take, take on me. Take me on. It's next. Yeah, they say both in the song, but I can't remember what the title is. 
um, I think it's take I, take on me. I think it's take on me. Yeah, which is a fantastic video. Um, uh, I love this song. And recently they released a uh, a, a acoustic version of it mm-hmm. that they it was a I think a live a live video uh, that they that they did and it it's did Aha do it? Yes, and it's beautiful. Oh, wow. Oh wow! It's just really melancholy and quiet and not at all peppy, like the actual song is, you know. And actually, this this version of the song is not aha, and it's not uh, nearly as uh, peppy and catchy. Uh, but it yeah. gets the song stuck in my head just as well. Yeah, it's it's take on me by aha, but the next line is take me on. So it's you know, I'm sure that people have missed named it for very long time the song is playing it's melancholy it's nice and then you hear the trumpet accompaniment come in and it's andre playing along with it <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh but we see like what feels like the snap uh there's a robbery in progress and it gets interrupted by uh when the getaway driver disappears and also the police officer who was sent in and they find themselves with andre doing the song the whole episode, though, that trumpet gets used like a weapon. You know, he like actually will point it and play it. And it feels like something you might see in a Saturday morning cartoon. You know, in Super Friends. Like a magic trumpet in Super Friends and the person plays a trumpet and points it at someone and and it, you know, makes them disappear. It's done very seriously and it's not done in a that cartoonish style. It's just the kind of thing that, uh, as you think about it, it's either going to be really, really cool or really, really cheesy. I feel like it skirts that line. I didn't think that at all. I thought that they pulled it off very well where it, it could have been cartoonish, but it was not. I thought it was well done. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about using a musical instrument as a weapon, um, it, I don't know, it, it makes me think of Power Rangers, you know, the, the well, Green Ranger, or or it makes me think of, um, like I said, a cartoon where they have a magic guitar and they strum the, and you have the vibration lines going through the, you know, across the screen or something. Um, well, well, in I Endgame, mean, they used crystals as a weapon. That, that, that feels a little less cheesy. For, I mean, the to bard, me. the, the bard is a, I mean, it, it's a, it's a character class in D and mean, they use weapons and maybe not. Yes. I don't know that I would use a guitar as an actual weapon short of using it like a bow from Robin hood. <laughs> With, remember when, when Cluck, Mrs. Cluck takes the, takes the golden arrow and shoots it from yes. the, which is a cartoon. If not yes. a Saturday morning cartoon. Anyway, the best cartoon for me, him pointing the trumpet and playing it and using that as a weapon in that way just skirts the line for me. The drama is still there and the emotional drama is what actually elevates anything that they do with that trumpet because it's all about Andre and his emotional state and his imaginative, uh, you know, this, this is this world is from his imagination, you know, and, and the, the, the the manifestation of his power doesn't come but, from the trumpet. It comes from him. But the trumpet and 
jazz and that kind of music is very New Orleans. And the fact that he was a human who, through voodoo, elevated himself to the status of a god, this is all very much a New Orleans kind of thing. If it happened in another city, it may come off as cartoonish, but because jazz was literally born in the streets of of, of that city um, and in the barbershops and in the clubs of the, of the city, that is the perfect place to, if you are going to weaponize a trumpet in that manner with the music it, itself, that is the kind of place to do it. Yeah, and they said uh, going into this that they were going to use New Orleans even more uh, in this season than they did in the last, and and they did. I mean, they this is very much now uh, ha- never having been there. I, I only know, I guess, the caricature of of New Orleans, and so I feel like though that they've they've presented a realistic New Orleans and used the elements of the city very well from the, I mean, from the, the voodoo to the music, to the, to all that. The caricature of new Orleans isn't that far off from the truth. I mean, it, you can walk down bourbon street and hear jazz floating out of clubs and different clubs and different jazz all the time. And that's something that permeates the entire city. Well, caricature so, is an exaggeration of reality. I mean, yeah. that's it. A caricature is something that is easily recognizable, yes. uh, if not photorealistic. And and New Orleans is very well represented in the show. Not that I've lived there a whole bunch, but I've been there enough to sort of be familiar with it and be like, this is this feels real. Yeah, I'm not very I've never been to New Orleans, but I am I have studied jazz music um, in a class in college. And and I know that it's that style of music is very important to the, the city. Yeah, it, yeah. It, there there would be no jazz music and there would be no New Orleans if it weren't for each other. Right. Um, because they, you know, they they grew out of a very specific I mean, food also. Gumbo is a very specific thing to New Orleans. Well, but and music it, is an expression yeah. of of internal whatever. But, uh, you know, so the fact that you have different music styles come out of different places mm-hmm. and you have like even not so much now. Now we're able to homogenize a lot easier. And and so the the borders and the, the regions uh aren't as well defined, I think, possibly right now, because you do have the ability to uh, explore and and experience other music from other places a lot easier now than, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But, you know, music is an expression of what's inside and and what it's using what you have on the outside, whatever instrument you might have that you're able to use because it's available or because you've learned it and then turning it around and expressing your inside <laughs> as cheesy yeah, and, as that might be. He, but. Yeah. Well, isn't he also despair at like he, his didn't, I can't remember if we actually called him despair or not, but he was using despair as a, as a tool, like as a weapon, you know, yeah. as well as a trumpet. Hey, you know, you, you're so melancholy. You're so despondent. Come on 
come be with me and I'll feed off of that. So, yeah, this whole season they've been talking about despair versus hope. And right. and then in this episode, actually, I mean, hope is a very, very important uh, theme that they're bringing in with this idea of hope and 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 dagger bringing hope to people. And honestly, the the climactic battle turns again, turns on that, turns on her being able to bring hope to people and and give them hope against his despair. The other thing I wanted to talk about here, though, is this snap kind of deja vu feeling where I'm watching this. And I remember the first time watching this thinking, oh, what a missed opportunity that <laughs> this, this could have been the snap. Now, it obviously couldn't have been the snap because it's Andre and it's all about Andre's uh, big, bad, evil plan. But as you're watching, you're just like, oh, my goodness, this could have been the episode that tied into that movie. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. style. Early Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. style. But it, yeah, it didn't. Nope. <laughs> no. Yeah. So the interesting thing as we move into act one is that Andre is playing his trumpet in this spirit realm, but he's not dead, but he's also his body is in the world. So like he's making people disappear out of our world, but his body is just laying on the ground uh, in our world and the trumpet is playing and they can hear it. Uh, so that's that's going on there. And then in the meantime, we move over to Mayhem, who went to Mina for help, and they run tests on her, and they find out she's still affected. Uh, Mina is still affected by the terror from last from last year. But then, as she's investigating Mayhem, she sees there is there's now empathy there, and there's compassion there. Uh, so Bridget and Mayhem are more working well together, um, and then they just uh, Mina disappears when Mayhem asks, "Is there love?" because that's the fifth element you know love that's true but mina gets snapped away <laughs> i keep thinking about going back to andre and that trumpet have you ever listened to a song and been totally moved by it yes yes so i mean where say song i mean music can really affect a person's mood i mean there's a, such an important reason why music is such is part of background music, whether or not a person consciously hears it when they're watching a television show or when they're watching a movie. There are uh, musical movements in the way it, it flows and affects a person's emotions. Who can It can actually make a moment sing um, stronger than it would without the music. And so here we have Andre, a, a human who is literally weaponized Maybe, maybe perhaps that's why it's not so cartoony to me because I grew up in a house that was full of music. Um, yeah, I did too, but, but I, I also went out to gigs with my father when he was in a, in a, in a, in a band. And so I've seen a lot of what goes on behind and I can see how his approach to uh, his experience can move, um, an audience versus someone else with less experience. So, I mean, there's a lot of talent and showmanship that also goes into it too, which I think is something that maybe Andre had when he was just a normal person before he started getting the migraines. But now he doesn't necessarily have that because of the migraines. So in order to, to get that feeling of connecting with people and, and hitting that, that magical note that, that charms an audience uh, and makes him a legend um, he has to who go to voodoo to to try to reach that. Yeah, I still think on paper 
if you talk about a person who is blowing his trumpet to fight two superheroes as they're throwing daggers and making cloaky smoke happen uh, on paper, that sounds really cheesy. And no, the only on thing that paper. elevates it for me, the only thing that elevates it for me is, is Andre's emotional journey. Like it's, it's Andre that elevates this for me. It's his, um, the reason why his trumpet is so important and the reason why he would cause that to come up within him to be the manifestation of his power. That's the that's Avengers what doesn't sound goofy on paper. <laughs> I'm not saying that there isn't other things. I mean, don't what about is a me here? I mean, this is just, this is just how I feel about it. And you know, I, I love music, you know, to me, this, this skirts a line and does it, it walks the tightrope. It, it, it walks the tightrope and brings the emotion that causes well, the tightrope to stay taut and the, the show did not fall. The whole show walks a tightrope. I mean, let's be honest. Yes. The, the whole This whole season where they're fighting the, someone in the spirit realm and they're doing the whole voodoo thing and, and they're meeting the kid at, at the Roxxon, you know, gas station. I mean, the whole thing is this, if it's not done well, we're, we're looking at Scooby-Doo. But it's done well, and that's what I think we're all trying to say. Yes, exactly. So let's talk about our main characters then. Ty and Tandy, they go to Evita. Uh, they're talking about how it's awkward uh, to be there. And Evita's like, I could totally hear you. Uh, this door is made out of very lightweight wood that I can't remember what it was. But um, <laughs> she that, totally, that totally overhears them. And does a card reading, which reveals that the ancient Loas made a rare exception, allowing mortals into their ranks. But now a force has been given all the power with none of the responsibility. And despair is all she sees in his future and all he brings to everything he touches. So Evita will help them. She's going to help them open a doorway. Uh, the doorway is on a timer. The timer is a candle. If the candle goes out, then the door will shut. But as long as the candle stays lit, they can return. Um, and the way no. he's able to open the doorway is <laughs> it's kind of the Hulk uh, secret. That's my secret. I'm always angry. Uh, it's very easy for him to open this doorway because it, he had to be scared. And he's terrified right now because this is really serious and there's bad stuff going on. And Dagger's mom is in danger. You know what? When you're freshly broken up with someone and you have to go to them and when you're in high school you can't necessarily do that so easily but i think it also says a lot about the maturity of just these characters and what they've had to deal with in the past that they can say yeah we can't stand each other right now but there's something that we need to do and we can do it together so i applaud them and in, in, in doing that well and it's also one of the overall things about this show that I like is that they're not cloak and dagger. Tandy and Ty aren't romantically connected. They're right. friends. They are good friends. They sometimes don't like each other, but they're not romantically connected. I don't um, know. Perhaps. They do choose waffles at the end of the episode. At the yeah. end of the episode, there is more romance than has been in the previous two seasons. But 
I'm not sure not if, it, if it, I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to, because I'm not sure what happens from the end of the season on out. Um, but well, I, yeah. I wouldn't say romance, but perhaps there's just this intimate moment between the two of them. But intimacy doesn't necessarily mean romance. It just means there's a, a really deep connection between two people. Yeah, I I appreciate when you can have I appreciate when any television or movie is able to put two good looking people on the screen and not have them get romantically involved. Yeah. Like yes. that's yeah. that's the pattern, you know? That's that's just the way it works. And and I, I always appreciate it when they're able to create a strong friendship. Uh and I also appreciate it when the romance involves a strong friendship. And and not just meet cute and then have shenanigans together, but to maybe meet cute, but then actually get to know each other well. And it's not just about, you know, the funny and the comedy, but it's also about the heart. And, you know, they've got a strong relationship here. And in this episode, it really plays out well, uh, the way that they're able to push each other and help each other and and work with and, each other. And they know each other, I think, better than they know themselves sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah. And, yes. I mean, especially later when they actually, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But that's a good relationship is when you're able to know each other very well and, yeah, push each other in the right way. Know how to push someone uh, instead of, you know, just doing it your way, but knowing this is what the other person responds to. And so this is how I'm going to do this. And yeah. so they end up in the infinite black and they walk together to the rocks on gas station and the pay binoculars are destroyed. So how are they going to get to the mall? <laughs> Let's oh, go no. to the mall. <laughs> that is such a teenage thing to say, or, or at least for our generation, right? Um, was, you know, Oh, we got to get to the mall, but here, <laughs> But and now you know many malls are, have become urban blights. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think and I think they're using that sort of uh, idea. I mean, I, I would suspect that there's a lot of empty malls in New Orleans, especially in their New Orleans, because mm-hmm. um, their New Orleans is post Katrina. So you know, there's still a lot of work that has happened that needs to happen in, you know, from Katrina. So to, to say, let's go to the mall on a TV show that's airing in 2019 has a different connotation than, than let's go to the mall, but on a TV show that's even hearkening back to, you know, the eighties, like Stranger like Stranger things. things. Yeah. 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 Uh, so a uh, fun little fact that mall that was featured on strangers things season three is now up for sale. So if anyone's interested in buying that, well, they, <laughs> I just heard about that this week. I wondered, so I wonder if they shot at that mall while, after it had been shut down or something. Yeah. That's what they did. Yeah. Nice. Okay. That's cool. I mean, that's probably the best way to get a mall is to find, <laughs> find one that's just not being used. And they, they, they used a mall in leverage. Uh, I forget which season it was, but there's an empty mall in Portland that they shot in all the time. So filled it with people. So we got this theme of fear and despair versus hope. And so here we have Tandy facing despair that she's not strong enough and fear that she's not strong enough. And Ty 
lifts her up. And the phrase that he used that that I caught anyway that I really appreciated was he called her a, a harbinger of hope. Uh, and so she creates a vivet and it includes crosses. Uh, but he's like, that's those aren't crosses. Those aren't knives. Sword, you know, <laughs> and uh, does the job of both a knife and a sword. And, and that takes them to the mall and it's messed up because uh, something broke out of there. They find a hall of a hall of versions of themselves and they walk through and we don't see what they do apparently, but when they walk through, he's in his nice cloak and she's in her ballerina outfit thing. Uh, meanwhile, Evita's chanting and struggling and mayhem comes and helps her and they fight off a bunch of things that were sent to stop people like Evita. Um, and then Tandy and Ty find the record store and it's abandoned and there's no records, but then they find the door to the club and there they find people and there they fight Andre and they attack him, but they get blasted by the trumpet. And I'm sorry, it skirts the line, but they get blasted by the trumpet. So that is act two. What, you've never walked into a club and been blasted, like literally blasted by the music? Like you can actually like stand there and feel the vibration waves? I have never walked into a club that that's happened. I've walked into a concert that that's happened, but it wasn't an intentional attack against me meant to do me (laughs) bodily harm and violence. Well, Well, then I don't think you're going to the right concert. uh, You're probably right. You're probably right. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't go to clubs as often as I did when I was younger um, and not like like you know, disco type clubs, more like rock clubs. But, um, uh, I, I now wear, um, earplugs when I go to these places for that very reason. Cause I don't want to lose my hearing. I've, but, I've only been to one club like that once. Um, I just, that's just not what my friends and I were doing and I've not been to too many concerts on honestly, but having walked down Beale street, or, you know, Bourbon Street, because Beale Street's in Memphis. But it's the same type of place. Having walked down, you know, these famous streets full of side bars and clubs and, you know, jazz clubs and, you know, music flowing out of here and B.B. King's place over there and Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, somebody playing Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the type of situation where you can get maybe not physically assaulted, but definitely you walk into this place and you're getting blasted. But it's not intentional violence against you. No, it's not intentional violence. No. Uh, Despair is bringing intentional violence. Speaking of all that, though. That that, that the music and whether or not you can physically feel it, uh, if you can hear it, sometimes just hearing the music can draw you into a place and hypnotize you. Yes. Well, and that's, I, I mean... You know, there's power in music, like you said, yes. you know, there's power in music to pump you up and get you like when you're running or when you're doing a workout or something like that, or just to get your day started, you know, listen to the right music and put you in the right mood. Uh, if you just want to sit and think or meditate or, or pray or whatever, you know, the, the right music can actually get you into the right mindset for that. Um, and the wrong music can do the opposite effect. It can take you right I- out of it. You're right. Yes. And that is a very important concept to think about while watching this episode specifically, but also this season at large. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it all comes down to these records. Mm-hmm. You know, now there's none there right now. They walk in, there's nothing there because he's moved on. He doesn't need the recorded despair of these people. He has direct 
feedback and interaction with these people now. Because he has the people. Yeah, it's a live show. The people are there. They've been removed from our reality and are now in this mystical zone thing. Um, and they're kind of zombified, aren't they? They're kind of like the well, like like Samantha said, they're they're uh, oh, what, what was the phrase he used? Hypnotized, yeah, entranced yeah. by the music, yeah. Oh, they're uh, zombified because zombies come from, or uh, that entire concept, if I recall correctly. It comes it from voodoo come from, uh, yeah. I, I believe it comes from Haiti though. Yes. And, and that, yeah, the idea of the zombie is a much different thing, uh, in its origin than it is in its pop culture representation. Right. I on, think there's film. something about drugging them with venom from a blowfish, if I recall correctly. This is all news to me. So yeah. I'm just listening to you guys. It's really interesting to now my <laughs> it experience is. with it does is not like from actual research or anything, but comes from like early horror movies that that use uh voodoo zombie as opposed to a uh Walking Dead kind of zombie or the Night Night of the Living Dead kind of zombie. Right, yes. We're not talking Walking Dead, yeah. We have uh Act Three. Now this is where we get into a lot of character beats. Uh they're confronted by the worst parts of their past and Tyrone has himself and Tandy has her dad and Ty actually begins fighting himself as he's confronting the idea that his mother is a murderer and Tandy confronts her dad and his excuses and they're fighting their way toward each other. But Andre enters into this as well as they move through the past. It's both real past and imagined past. And Andre tells them that there ain't no way out of a hole you dig yourself. Um, meanwhile, even uh, Mayhem is confronted by uh, Fuchs, who, who she kills. Uh, but Ty and Tandy get smart. And this is where this whole season has a very metaphorical uh, confrontation of your internal demons, you know, where you could really look at this and look at this as a, uh, a metaphorical, uh, metaphorical lesson on the power of therapy and uh, they switch partners. So they start fighting each other's demons. And this is all about lifting each other up. It's all about building, uh, you know, stronger together, you know, Apes and this is my favorite part together. of this episode. This is my favorite part of this episode. Sorry, sorry, Ben, I stepped on your joke. You, you stepped on the <laughs> Planet of the Apes joke, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. This is my favorite part of the episode because it ex- is it it is exactly that. It's I'm going to lift you up. You're going to lift me up. We're going to tackle each other's demons. You're not strong enough. I'm not strong enough to tackle our own stuff. So we're going to swap places. And in swapping places, we're going to be able to take on everything. And that's when despair has to change the rules. Right. Exactly. Because he's not winning. He has to change the rules. So this is like, you know, a four-year-old playing checkers with you, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. you turn around and they turn the board around. You know, mm-hmm. actually, I just saw this on Alf. Uh, he was playing, <laughs> he's playing chess with Willie and he's really, he's, he's losing. And so Willie has to leave. And then Alf calls in Lynn and, but Alf turns the board around. So he has Willie's side and Lynn comes in and Alf's like, want to play? And, and she, she uh, puts him in checkmate in one mood, one move. Where are you watching 
reruns of Alf. Well, we have it on DVD, but it is now on Amazon through no. through IMDb. Oh, and you can watch it with ads. And so that's also, by the way, how you can watch Corner Gas now and yes. Corner Gas Animated. Yes. And so I've <laughs> been watching Corner animated Gas Corner Gas. Out ads. Well, as much as I prefer to watch it without ads and actually depending on the time of day or the device you're watching it on, I'm not sure. But I've been able to watch a bunch of episodes without any ads. I shouldn't say a bunch. I've only been good. I've watched six total. So two of them, I guess. (laughs) But um, (laughs) but Corner Gas Animated, if you like the real thing, this is pretty close. It's 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 close. It's close. 98% the writing is there the writing is there the body language for a couple of the characters is there and you're watching a caricature a caricature oh gosh I can't say that word today you're watching a caricature of a caricature of a small town yeah I mean it's 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 several times removed but it's still there and it's you love it all right corner gas reference check we haven't talked Star Trek yet but we'll get there I'm sure (laughs) So, yeah, they're building each other up, and, yeah, he has to reset the board. He sends Tandy to the motel, mm-hmm. and he sends Ty to a closet of infinite cloaks. <laughs> so when she, when he sends Tandy to the motel and he sends Ty to the infinite cloaks, what do we think this means? Because it's obviously metaphor because the whole show's steeped in metaphor. So what do, what do those two metaphors mean? Well, I think for the motel, that's the easy one because Mm -hmm. that place is a physical representation of hopelessness and despair. But then why is her dad there? Because he is also a physical representation of of hopelessness and despair. Like this Mm -hmm. is – he's resetting the board to say – you know, it's it's like I said. You know, it's where – you know, when they're not looking – um. Oh, what's it's it's Gerald it's Gerald's game, you know the Pixar short where the old man is playing chess against himself, but he's like taking pieces off the board when the other guy's not looking, and this is what's happening is he's putting extra pieces on the board. He's stacking the deck against against well, him. I mean, obviously he's cheating. My my question though is, I guess what I thought, and I don't think I was right, but what floated through my head was, um her dad was up to something nefarious and it was connected to that motel somehow. Almost like her dad was one of the people who would visit the motel. Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything in the show to say that that's a thing, except what you, that he's Except here. That her dad he's here now. Yeah. Motel, right. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know that I'm right in connecting those dots that way. But it's definitely something that I think could be construed from that. Now, whether or not he was a person who would uh, utilize such a place, um, I, I don't think the show says that, like you says. But I hope not. Because that'd be that would take him one step further yeah. than he's already a creep. Like he's already not a good guy. <laughs> so let's make him one more 
let's make it one step creepier. I think what they were trying to accomplish was that um, Tandy's idea of her father, um, since she's um, been able to harness her powers, I, w- I won't say acquire, but harness her powers. Um, it, her her memories of her father have become perverted by discovering the truth of what kind of person he really was and what he was doing for Roxanne. And so put, and I, I did, I got the same impression too. Were they trying to say that her dad visited places like that? Um, but to say that his memory was tarnished, I mean, then and rightfully it's, so. Yeah. Yeah, then then it's not out of the realm of possibilities for someone to imagine that he could have visit, visited a place like that. Because he was doing um, some other morally corrupt things, too. Well, I just... we, don't, we don't think the show directly implicates him being... No. no. Okay. No, I, I think that had more to do with Andre uh, tapping into her memories and then twisting them uh for his own gain okay i just can't help every time i look at him thinking of noah from heroes yes like yeah so noah from heroes he was claire's father right is that claire is that right yeah yeah the cheerleader call and, ben right now or call daniel right yeah now. yeah hey daniel this reference for you man this like, is for you we we talked about heroes before we talked about star trek the, we yes. might not even talk about Star Trek. We don't even know, but except name drop it, which we've done that. <laughs> yes, but right. but to actually reference it within context of conversation has not happened. Yet, right. So. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> there's some cool moments that are happening here. So like for this one with Tandy and her dad, she when she says, I'm going to level up uh, her dagger becomes a sword. Like it's a jump cut kind of thing. It's the kind of thing where it could have been a continuity error, uh, but it wasn't. It was intentional. You know, you see her. She got the dagger up against his throat. She says she's going to level up and that it's a sword. And they don't even show it changing, if I remember correctly. Um, and then she says, the things you did won't define me. They'll affect me, but they won't define me. And then she says uh, she's going to file all these things away. She says, I have a pretty good idea of where I'm going to file you, dad. And she cuts a Z into his chest like Zorro, which they were watching in the church. Remember the beginning of the season? Yes. It's been so long ago, but do you remember? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that that's a classic callback. And the fact that she's using her dagger now as a sword, I you know, makes sense. It's brilliant. Well, I liked it because... Uh, We were talking about how Tandy and Tyrone switched places to deal with each other's demons. This is sort of her tapping into Tyrone to defeat Mm -hmm. her own demons. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. So when 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 despair resets the board, they have learned finally after two seasons from each other Mm -hmm. enough to take on their take on me. (laughs) (laughs) Take on their the attributes that complete them. That's well, a Jerry Maguire quote for you. <laughs> but well, yeah, but this is now Tandy actually acting on the yeah. positive stuff that Ty was giving her. 
and Ty yeah. acting on the positive stuff that Tandy was giving her. This is this is positive relationship stuff. I mean, this this whole season has a whole lot of really powerful and good things to say about how relationships can work, not just romantic relationships and but, you know, friendships and and almost any kind of relationship that's going to be positive. And yeah, so this calls back to, you know, her being doing the Zorro thing, you know, and it goes back to when they were being with each other back then and watching and the the foreshadowing there of them eventually being heroes. And then it happens here. And of course, I don't think about it when it happens. But then later on in this episode, that's what they're doing. They are going to travel the land somewhat. We don't know how far or what the extent is, but they're leaving town to be heroes. And this is her acting like a Zorro, you know, acting like the hero. And, you know, she does a, I mean, this is, this you know, Zorro inspired her and Batman. So that's, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> okay. So, so what, what is Ty's reset of the board represent? Okay. So he's in all, his all cloaks and yeah. he's fighting the perfect version of himself. So that's like, you know, we're going back to that idea of how he could have been a cop, you know, if, if none of this bad stuff had happened. And um, and he sends this perfect version of himself away in a whirlwind. So. I mean, that's that's his inner his inner battle is, you know, he can't be this perfect version of himself. He can't be uh, he can't make up for the loss of his brother by being both himself and his brother uh, for his family. Uh, you know, and he just has to send this away, get rid of this thing and his power, which is to create portals to move things from one place to another gets used as well. It sends away the perfect version of himself. When the perfect version of himself showed up, I thought it was his brother. I, I'm curious why they didn't use that, but his brother yeah. is not an antagonist like Tandy's father. We've learned he is antagonistic. He is abusive. Uh, yeah. His brother wouldn't have the same effect. It wouldn't be as physical. Maybe there would be things to play with that Andre could use. But yeah, I mean, well, the idea of him trying to live up to his brother's. Live up trying to be his brother is, is an important one. But I think the idea that he's trying to be the perfect version of himself. And in this situation, it's embodied of him being a cop. It works better, but it's his struggle is he's also trying to live up to be his brother, to take his brother's place. I mean, his parents were so despondent about his brother not being around and he was trying to fill the shoes and, and all that sort of stuff. That was such a big metaphor in the beginning of the series. I think also in the beginning of this season. Well, yeah. And then the other thing that's interesting is the fact that he's a cop. The cops are the reason that he's in this place or in this, this, this whole situation uh, in the first place. And and so the perfect version of himself is also, I think, the idealized, uh, the idealized um, image of what police are supposed to be. 
And but they're the ones who they got him into this spot in the first place They're It's their not all of them, but the ones that were involved in this. It was their deceit. It was their um, cover up. It was it was all this bad stuff. And so his idealized thing is to be one of them, but to be the right kind of one of them. And that's which in and of itself is a hero. So it's almost like he's trying to be a hero without being able to be a hero. Well, and if you are a police officer who's doing things the right way, okay, yes. um, that is probably one of the most uh, the, the closest you're going to get to actual superheroes um, in, in a professional sense, you know, where that's what they do. That is to go out and do those things every day. Yeah. Firefighters are yeah. also another example of that. I mean, there, there's lots of different examples of that, but this is one of them. And the fact that it was the police who did all this is a perversion of what they're supposed to be doing, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's it, again, really strong writing and really yes. strong visuals and really powerful uh, metaphors. But then they go into the main show and this is where we get act five. And this is cool. This is really, really cool. I don't know how much you guys like this, but this is where dagger throws the dagger and knocks the trumpet out of his hands and starts throwing her daggers at people because her light is made of hope and it releases people and it affects his migraines. And he has the upper hand kind of because Tandy, Tandy disappears, but she disappears into the cloak and then she leaps out of it and she's flying or jumping through the air with her sword with the smoke swirling around her and she stabs him. And then the other women, especially Mina and mom, you know, they take hold of him and then they enter into his despair and she scratches his record of his despair and they go running. They're out of there. They win. They have won the battle. What I like about this is uh, a, it's very well written. Like you've said, they're using these very surreal comic sort of ideas with, you know, daggers made of hope and all that sort of stuff and manifesting it in reality, quote unquote, but also their um, mom and the other girl, the other lady who hold back despair are actually taking control of their lives. It's physical mm-hmm. representation of taking control of your life. And that's powerful to see on TV. <laughs> we don't have that on TV right now. The whole battle is metaphorical up until this moment. Um, I don't know. But it, I don't I mean, know how I much I want to talk meta- about this, the the not metaphorical part, though, of just this beautiful image of cloak and dagger. That's, you know, that feels like it's straight out of the comics at it, some point. Something like that is very much comic like. I don't yeah. know if they are actually directly referencing a page from the comic, but they are absolutely embracing the yeah. the battle qualities of their powers. You know, like it's well, and. It's wonderful. And I love it. You know, we keep talking about how they're finally coming together as a cohesive unit. And this is, you know, very much a representation of that. 
You couldn't do it any other way. But then in bringing in mom, bringing in Mina, there's a third woman there that I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was Leah or not. Um, it might have Leah? been Leah. I can't remember if it was Leah or not. Yeah. But again, it's not just them sitting back and going, well, I hope the superheroes save us. It's them taking part of the battle and taking part of their salvation, being an active member of their salvation, yeah. not just waiting for the saviors to come and, and make it all good. And this is also where, you know, we're bringing the whole group and giving them all something to do. Mm -hmm. Mom has something to do in this final battle. And honestly, I didn't even really notice who, the faces that I remember the first time I watched this. It was the second rewatch a year, year and a half, two years later, whatever it is, um, that that I, I noticed. Uh, oh, mom is right there. And, mm -hmm. and I might have noticed it before. I just don't remember it. I certainly didn't put it in my notes the first time around. Uh, because then you also have uh, Evita guarding that candle. And you have uh, Mayhem fighting the the masked men that the the gods are sending or whatever, and and they're doing their own battle in in the church. It's it. I mean, it's a really well done last battle in a D and D campaign. I <laughs> you have your because every character gets, a, gets to have a part every of it. Every character gets to do stuff, but it's also very separate. So, like, your mage <laughs> is doing the incantation around the candle. Um, you know, she's got to roll a bunch of saves in order to keep the candle lit. You've got your fighter fighting. You've got your two wizards doing their thing. I mean, it's it's a well-done, it's a well-written campaign. I didn't get the impression that it was the gods, because from what I understood from earlier was they weren't exactly happy that um, Andre has risen to godlike level. Um, I got the impression that it was Andre himself that sent those demon guys. It may have been the the costuming there was SWAT team, right? Superhero chic, I think. Um, yes. <laughs> well, they they weren't there weren't they weren't special effects. You know, they were stormtroopers. Yeah, though they, oh gosh, the car show from on the BBC. Top Gear. Top Gear, the uh, the guy in the white suit that they would race against, what they call him? Beats me, I only know his show name. Oh, <laughs> um, Joey Tribbiani. Not Joey Tribbiani. <laughs> um, there was a masked figure in a helmet and a white suit that um they would race against not not racer um, x i'm assuming no um that's the first but, i don't think we've ever referenced speed racer before i yeah but yeah, I don't know. those cops actually reminded me of um that guy from top gear what so the the thing that reminded me again was um having mayhem confront her worst fear right what's the worst possible thing that she could confront right now. And that's obviously Fuchs um, mm -hmm. because that's the thing that haunts her. Right. And so to have her have to kill him again, cause he's still dead at this point. Right. Yeah. No, he's, he's okay. not alive. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. yeah he's, so to have her have to come confront him again. I mean, that's, that's powerful. It's Luke in the, um, in the forest on Dagobah. Again, this is Andre. 
trying to turn her despair on her. And because she is split, she's not nearly as affected as someone else would have been. I mean, she is essentially split, but the two halves of herself are working together to do this battle. Which, in in some ways, in one person, she's a representation of of Cloak and Dagger. Right. You know, like they they are coming and working together now in the same way that Bridget and and Mayhem are are working together. Right. Uh, Which was not where I was expecting this season to go. I thought that this was going to be a Bridget turns evil and now they are going to fight her. She's the big bad. And it was instead this Andre. Okay. Now we got to talk about this wrap up. And so the wrap up has arrests being made. Leah is doing community service, uh, but she's not dead. Uh, Mina is back to work. Avita gets back to work with her, um, you know, tour guiding that she does. Uh, Delgado puts on his priest clothing again and throws away uh, an Andre record called First Migraine. <laughs> and Mayhem hangs up Connors in uh, the shooting gallery for the other police to find him. And he's got a bloody sign on him that says guilty. Tandy is packing to leave her mother, gives her mother a hug. Ty is keeping an eye on the streets where we see that gang members turn down product from a dealer who is selling girls. And so you've got cloak or ties uh, his legacy there. He's he's put the fear of God into them to leave anyone alone who's doing anything with with those girls. Um, and then before commercial, Tandy is on a bus going away alone and there's an empty seat next to her. Which is a, I want to say that's as bad of a fake out as the old cliffhangers where the the episode ends and the car is going over a cliff and the hero is in the car. And then when you come back for the next installment, they play that whole scene again, but they insert a whole you know sequence that you never saw where he jumps out of the car just in time before the car goes over the cliff. I feel like they faked us out so bad and I hated it because when you come back from commercial ties on the bus and it's like, Hey, <laughs> I, I, I called the aisle seat. And so she moves over and he sits down with her and we get the actual ending. They're going to a place where a bunch of girls were found dead on the beach. And she that asks, sounds the, familiar. Hmm. she asks the question, can we do it? Can we be good? Can we be heroes? Can we be divine and paired in other places? And then he says, the better question is waffle or pancakes. And she chooses waffles, waffles, waffles. And so they hold hands by interlocking fingers instead of palm to palm. And credits roll. So what are your guys' choice? Waffles or pancakes? Waffles. Uh, Pancakes with people who I am not romantically involved with and waffles with people that I am. That's why when you were saying there's no romance right now with their relationship. When they did waffles, I'm like, no, that's that's romance. When they were pretending to be boyfriend and girlfriend and they had that conversation earlier about waffles or pancakes, did they what did they choose? Did they choose pancakes? I can't remember. No. Nope. <laughs> mm. 
All right. There's a. Uh, but I, well, I just got the impression that at the very, I'm not sure if it was a romance thing, but at the very least, they are linked together stronger than before. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, I'm. I'm not. I'm not sitting here fangirling over a pairing, a romantic pairing between the two of them, but they are. They are the divine pairing. They yeah, are, and, I, and they belong yeah. together. Yes. And as soon as they become a romantic pairing, boyfriend and girlfriend, um, that means that there's going to be reasons to to break them up. We've seen that in a bunch of episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. How many times can Fitz and Simmons get broken apart? Well, how many times did they actually break up their own relationship? Lots. But- like choosing to, to break up. Like, no longer dating, no longer married, no longer engaged. But my point is for the writers to keep them not romantically connected, but connected, means that they're not going to have to go down this road of, you know, him getting jealous over her or her, you know, going back to why are you... Why did you leave Evita? I mean, you know, all of those questions that are stupid that we don't need to deal with. We need to deal with them as a pairing, a divine pairing. Let's hope that they're never romantically involved because I just. And I'm the one who Mm -hmm. has no romance in him. And you guys are just sitting here talking about Cloak and Dagger the way I talk about Fitz and Simmons from three seasons ago. It's not (laughs) Cloak and Dagger is not why the ensemble show that that agents of shield is agents of shield can take on one or two romantic pairings cloak and dagger where we have two definite leads that are male or female i mean typically in the past that's what you would see is these two two leads male and female romantically get together and now it's cliche it's always been cliche though yeah i don't think it's no i think the first time anyone did it ever Everyone's like, that's cliche. cliche. That's so cliche. <laughs> well, no, I mean that now that's not necessarily what audience audiences want to see. Maybe, you know, I think audiences are more inclined to see a friendship between male and female characters. I, I don't know if I would agree with with the general audience being more inclined to want friendship. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I couldn't put a percentage on it, of course, but I. I, I do think that's still a thing. It, it's a cliche for some, but for others, it really is what they want to see is these are characters I like. I want to see them together. You know, it's the same with, um, I mean, yeah, it's the same with Fitz and Simmons, like for that whole time where I was just like, I just want them to be friends. I just want them to be good friends. Let them have other relationships. And then, nope, they're, they're a thing. Oh, those two are always meant to be together. I mean, they, they not were in my mind, not for a couple seasons, but they had the, that relationship coupling nickname before they were actually a couple. But it was a friendship nickname. It was because they were always together and they were so connected. And that's why people wanted them to be together romantically is because they weren't together romantically, but they were together all the time. And what about what about Black Widow and Hawkeye? Same thing. I, I, I didn't want them together. Fortunately, they ended up not being together. For I, I won oh. that one. 
and because it was a strong friendship that they had yeah and their relationship was a strong friendship and and that's where the value here is whatever they do with cloak and dagger it's a pairing you know they they mm-hmm. won't be able to split apart the question is what kind of pairing are they going to have i appreciate if they go the friendship route where they become a strong friendship it's a partnership but not a marriage you know it's a partnership but not a a, a romance but if they decide the romance route, I don't know. I just I can't imagine going waffles with someone and it's not romantic. I, I that's just me. That's just me. Okay. You put a lot of stock into waffles there, Ben. <laughs> it's all on so I'm gonna say deeper connection I, than pancakes. I don't know. I can have I can have waffles. I would have waffles with you, Ben, I think. <laughs> I don't know that you would have waffles with me. No, but I would I have wouldn't. waffles with you. <laughs> Pancakes, pancakes only. So if we uh, went to the I Waffle hop. House. Nope, I hop. Sorry, man. <laughs> it, it, International House of Pancakes, not Waffle House. I don't, I don't understand. That. <laughs> okay. What's interesting is that is if you didn't know they were going off into runaways, you know, to Los Angeles, you would just know that there's dead girls on the beach somewhere and they're, they are going there to solve the problem to be the divine pairing to be heroes you know to put on the cape so when you saw this the first time though did your mind go there to runaways yeah when when they talked about dead girls on the beach is that where your mind went because a lot of people did go there i i think if i remember correctly that I heard them say dead girls on the beach. And I was like, are they, is this, is this crossover? But I know that like the day after this episode came out, people started talking about that. They're going to Los Angeles. My, my mind went there because my mind goes there all the time. I am heavily steeped in all this. And so I'm always looking for stuff like that. Does the average viewer's mind go there? I have no idea. I'm not the average viewer. Well, articles went there like that. I started looking for it afterward. Like, what what is this? And I didn't see anything official. Just a lot of people speculating. So like right after this episode, a lot of people were speculating about this. And I was looking to see if there's anything official. There wasn't. And then it happened. They did announce it. Yeah. And that's the type of stuff that that I think we've been wanting as fans, as Marvel fans for a long time. And we got we got it in a good way. I will always say this in a very good way on, you know, Winter Soldier, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That was fantastic. Um, and, and it would be nice to see that in this. Yeah, because they've had they've dropped the, you know, Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. They, they dropped reference to him. Uh, Roxanne is a through line in a lot mm-hmm. of these shows. Uh, but this is. We get to see the characters on screen together and that will mm-hmm. be fun. Mm-hmm. Assuming they do a good job with the episode, but let's assume well, because just, you know there's no I, reason I to assume not. Yeah. Okay. So we had uh, somebody, a listener, say figure out that this show took place several years ago. Was it like 2014? So when we see um, Tandy and Tyrone in Cloak and Dagger, there's the potential that this is them several years later. When we see them in Runaways? Yeah. Unless Runaways is set a few years ago. 
Well, now that the whole snap slash timeline thing is all weird, it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if it is several years ago. And because didn't we find out that that Infinity War was in the future? Yes, right. it is. So yeah. the snap happened in present day when the movie came out. So last year or whatever, 2018. Infinity War jumps ahead five years. And so when everyone returned from the snap. Endgame the blip, jumps ahead five years. Yes. So it takes. Pl- uh, yeah, sorry, so Endgame yeah, yeah. takes. Endgame. Endgame. The first act basically takes place right around that time. And then they jump ahead five years later. We have that screen that came up five years later. Mm-hmm. And Far From Home then is part of that five year later timeline. Okay, so where would these shows fall into that? Well, the official word is all Marvel television took place before it. So Mm -hmm. Netflix, this, Runaways, the one thing that doesn't take place far enough before uh, Infinity War. No, yes, far enough before Infinity War, War to not be affected by the snap. The only thing that didn't do that is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which went right up to the snap, right before the snap didn't happen yet on the show. But they talked about the stuff that happened right before the snap. (laughs) And then they went one year later. (laughs) And no talk about the snap in our season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we just had. And so I don't know how all that is going to tie together. I don't know if they're going to even try to tie it together. I think that might just be a drop ball that they say, you know what? We're just going to go for it and run with it and and tell the story we want to tell. That sounds like a conversation for post-credit. It's a conversation we've been having for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It <laughs> sounds like a conversation for the past hundred episodes. <laughs> anyway, I think that's that's the end of the episode. I think, you know, unless unless we want to talk about – I mean we wrap up all the characters. Delgado is in a good place. I was happy to see that. I was very pleased to see that. Um, Evita is letting go, you know. Ty said his goodbye by poofing in and poofing out where she could see him as she was doing a tour. Um, well, and... Evita needed to let him go because she's married now. So oh, that's right. You're right. <laughs> to a god or a demon or, or whatever. Yeah. 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 Wait, what? Evita's aunt was married to a god. And that's yeah, how she okay. got her powers. And when her aunt died, Avita that's had to right. take over and marry this god. That's right. To keep the to keep the candle lit, I, keep I guess. The candle burning. Okay. Well, I think that's the end of the episode then. I think we need to stop talking about Cloak and Dagger, get ready to talk about something else after the credit. But right now, final words. I just want to say thanks for everybody for listening and talking to us on Facebook. It's always fun to see what uh, people post and, and conversations that happen. And I'd like, I would like to give a special thank you to our Patreon patrons, Andrew, Jeffrey, Tassel, Zero Eight Floor, Blessed Cheesemaker, Dre, and David. Thank you all so very much. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate that. And I want to say... Here's what's happening next on Welcome to Level 7. Um, Runaways is reappearing, and our plan is to finish 
Runaways um, Disney Plus. We will be talking about Disney Plus, but we won't be following any series on there because there won't be any series on there that's MCU. Uh, but I'm sure there'll be some post-credit discussions about The Mandalorian. Oh, so. yes. Oh, oh yes. So in the meantime, that will be what we take on next is Runaways and Punisher. And that's that's how we're going to do the future here. Uh, fortunately for us, Samantha has the whiteboard. Yeah, has all of this stuff <laughs> written down, all <laughs> the episode numbers, all of that stuff. And, and the truth is, I'm glad we have Samantha around because she's probably the only one who can sort this crazy out. Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one 55 level seven. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. joining us until next time godspeed if i didn't have this whiteboard I'd go crazy and I'd be wondering where are we? What episode number is this in the podcast series? You know, what movies are coming up? What MCU adjacent movies are coming up? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would, I, I would need to know when new shows are dropping and that's so why I have it all goes board. on the board. It all goes on the board. And that's also where I, I keep my list of Patreon patrons, which is why I'm the one that reads it when i'm on <laughs> so it sounds like you need a new title uh, the whiteboard no you personally need a new title oh i i'm i'm the nerd with the knitting needles that's what i am <laughs> <laughs> all right have a great day night afternoon night. whatever night Adios.